Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, September 19th. 2021 coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Islanders alum Dave Scatcherd and author of The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell will be joining us. Can't wait to talk to him. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? Oh, hello there, Sean. I'm doing quite well. How are you, my friend? I'm also doing well. Very <laughs> excited for tonight. Very excited to talk to Dave Scatcherd. Big stuff coming up. Great to be here. Let's get into it, buddy. Yes, there's a lot to talk about this week. Yes. The training camp finally here. Islander signings abound. Abound. A- abound. Yes, a plenty. Official. <laughs> official. Some of them less yes. official. Yes, there was a little bit of news this week. Some bigger than others. Yes. No pun intended. (laughs) Anyway, folks, I want to thank you for joining us and tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night. NY. I want to remind you all that we are happy to be presented and sponsored by RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. Located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It's the best place to catch the aisles when you can't be at the game. Head down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HD TVs, and in-game sound. The place to be to watch the Isles. Also proud to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. An official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli out there. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. And of course, we are happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. So Christian, like we just alluded to, another week has gone by. We're this much closer to Islander hockey. We are a, a week now from the first preseason game. Madison Square Garden, Islanders Rangers. Next That's weekend. right. Very exciting. Very exciting. So this week training camp is coming up on the 23rd. And I don't know if you guys heard out there, but Big Z is a Dan O'Chara is once again a New York Islander bringing his career full circle. What do you say? CA. Yeah, I mean, it was something we talked about last week on the show. It was something that's been on people's minds as his offseason and the rest of the offseason have dragged on. And yeah. the Islanders' options for defensemen have become slimmer and slimmer. And Zidane Chara, you know, fits a role for the Islanders. Um, you know, he, he obviously played a significant amount of time for the Washington Capitals last season when it came to ice time. Maybe it was his career low since I think his rookie season with the Islanders actually yes. playing about 18, 27 or which something like that. Which is still a decent amount Which of is time. still a lot of time yeah. for yeah. a player of his age. Yeah. Um, you know, he's 44 years old. He's going to be 45 by the time his contract ends next season with the Islanders. So, yeah. um, you know, he's a guy who's been around the block to say the least. You know, he's a Stanley Cup winner. Um, he's a ca- He was a captain with the Boston Bruins for all 14 
13 of his seasons there in, um, in, in Boston. You know, he played with Ottawa and obviously got to start with the New York Islanders. It's a great story. Um, you yeah. Know, everyone kind of jokes about Lou Lamorello being the godfather and settling all family business. Well, it certainly <laughs> had that godfather-esque moment a little bit with Zach Parisi and Zidane Char now back in the fold, kind of correcting two mistakes that Islander fans have yeah. for a long, a long time have have really taken to heart considering the players that Zach Parisi became after being drafted by the New Jersey Devils and the way things have gone for Zidane Chara, who is a future Hall of Famer and went on to have a great career in Ottawa and then an even greater career with the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I'm not so sure that was the motivation behind Lamarillo bringing these guys. No, 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 I know, but it certainly has <laughs> but that, it is funny. that Godfather-esque quality yes, to it. absolutely. No, I think it's great. I mean, like you said, it's a great story. I mean, it's certainly something easy to write about, something easy to talk about, and we're obviously going to dive more into that. I think there's, there's still some questions to discuss, maybe even some concerns as far as the Islander roster goes, even with adding Zidane Ochara to the fold. But uh, it is exciting. We did allude to it a little bit last week. We talked about that possibility. And I just I feel like the more time went on and the less options that were out there and the the quiet surroundings of Dano Ochara, <laughs> yeah. it just seemed to like appear a little more inevitable that it just might happen. And and sure enough, we're, we're surprised yesterday, and there he is. It's, it's officially announced. And not only that, he, he didn't waste much time putting on the uh, blue and orange, put a little face, uh, what was it, Facebook or social media it post? Social media, Instagram, his Facebook page. I mean, it, it's cool that he kept that, and I'm sure he has he's had a lot of great memories when he was with the Islanders for the couple of years that he was there before he was traded for Alexi Ashin there in 2000. So certainly, or 2001, 2000. It was 2001. the summer of 2001 heading yeah, into the 0102 season. Yeah. Um, so certainly, you know, a place that I think he, he held some fondness to for himself in his, in his heart, having started with the Islanders and now kind of coming back around where the organization is in a much different position than when it was when he was an Islander and when he was, when he was shipped off to, uh, Ottawa in that trade, it's certainly a much different place a much different feel around the organization. And it, it, it goes from a team when he was here back in the late nineties, early two thousands to one that was, Maybe starting to turn things around at that point. No one really saw, you know, no one knew what was going to happen over those next couple months with so many different additions to the that 0102 roster with with Mike Pekka coming into the fold, Chris Osgood coming in, Agent O'Coin, um, right? P, uh, Peter Laviolette taking yeah. over behind the bench and becoming, yeah. you know, a, an incredible coach and having would go on to be a really great career for the rest of his coaching career as well. Yeah, uh, outside of just with the New York Islanders and, sure. and what he was able to do there. So. It, you know, it, it's a it's a franchise he's coming back to that is a, a Stanley Cup contender. It's it's hard to it's hard to take that away than from when he them. left. Yeah. Um, you know, there, it's a much more ownership wise. It's a much more stable situation. Um, location wise, it's a much more stable situation now with UBS Arena opening next uh, in in Mar um, November, I should say. <laughs> Not March, no. <laughs> November, yeah, opening up in November. So it's right. certainly it's certainly a different organization and one that I think in part means he feels that they can win a Stanley Cup. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with with the Zach Parisi situation and other guys who've come here. This is a team that they think, you know, this is their last chance to win a cup and they they think the Islanders are their best shot at it. Yeah, who knew, right? Imagine that. The New York Islanders being a destination for 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 veterans that 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 want another chance at a cup and, and here we are, Parise and and Shara. And I guess the the biggest question right now that the the main one that was answered was okay who's going to be that left defenseman that comes in to fill that spot and and it looks like it's going to be Chara but the, I think the next best question now is is that enough is he going to be enough to fill that void left by Letty you look at Chara's age you look at 
you know, the fact that he's not the same player that he was in his prime, you know, when he was captaining the Boston Bruins and, you know, when they won the Cup 10 years ago and all that. I mean, is this is this going to be enough for an 82-game season here to have him there with his age, or are they, are they still going to be looking for something more? I mean, I think this is it. I think the team that you're getting now is the team you're going to get for uh, most of the season up until the deadline unless they feel something need, a, a trade needs to be made at that point. But I think the roster now that you have is the one you're going to get once you come around to the start of training camp and the start of the season. I mean, I don't think at this point you're going out and you're, you're not bringing Zidane Chara in at this point to be a spare defenseman. He's going to play regular minutes. Yeah, you, I'm sure that's a conversation he had with Lou you have before he put his pen to paper. Yeah. You have a much more, a little, a little bit more depth now, I should say, with, with Ajo and some of the other guys that will mm-hmm. be there. Hickey, you know, showing that he can still play. Those are not guys that we're going to play here regularly. I think that's, I think that people keep asking about it. And I think at this point, the the history and the, and the sample size, we've seen these guys have gotten into NHL games. They just haven't stuck. And I think that says a lot about what the Islanders organization, I think, at this point thinks of their their mm-hmm. contributions to the team. It's not to say that they're not good players, that they can't contribute, but I don't think there is a space right now, or maybe for, for, for a long time to come, for Sebastian Ajo or for Thomas Hickey to get in, and be regulars in the lineup. I, I also don't see them going out and making another move to bring in a defenseman at this point. Why why go out and sign Zidane Ochar? You're having Eric Gustafson uh, come in now as a, as a PTO, and that could end up being a, a cheap signing with more depth for the uh, Islanders' blue line. So why why go out now and bring someone else in when you kind of have these two players that can and can kind of play that, Tom, uh, that, that Nick Letty role a little bit? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go out and spend an arm and a leg to get him, or you don't have to lose another player to go out and get him. Yeah, well, I I agree that that's it for now. I agree that I don't think they're bringing anybody else in in the immediate. I think they're going to go to camp with these guys. They're going to see what they got, assess pairings and stuff. I want to talk about that, too. But maybe down the line, maybe as they get closer to the deadline, if if a defenseman who kind of maybe fills that role a little bit better is available. Maybe they'll do something then. Obviously, we have a lot of time between now and and March or February, whenever that uh, trade deadline comes up. But uh, to answer my own question, I (laughs) I don't think it's enough. I I actually, I like the pickup. I like Jara coming to the Islanders. I think he brings a lot to the table. He still has a little gas left in the tank, despite his advanced age. And I think, you know, some, some people roll their eyes when you hear the locker room, locker room, but I think he's another great, great, voice and you know just well-respected player to have in that locker room again with the championship pedigree that's only going to help that tight-knit group you know hopefully get further uh this year when they when they get into the playoffs so i'm for it i'm certainly not against the signing but i i still don't think that it fills letty's role enough it fills that top four left d spot enough uh, for this for this team, especially when you get to playoff time. Now, I'm happy to have them prove me wrong. If anybody can do it, it's it's a Barry Trotz led Islander team, mm. and you know that's their that's their thing, right? They win by committee, and you know maybe you have Chara not play 82 games. Maybe Gustafson shows enough in camp where he becomes that seventh defenseman, and he's a guy you plug in every now and then when you're looking for maybe a little more foot speed or a potential you know points on the board, whatever the case may be. So maybe. They do a little bit of a rotation with these guys, and they just give it a shot and see if it's going to work for a full season, and then Lou reassesses and then maybe makes another move before the deadline. But I, I, I don't think this was plan A. I don't. I think this was... I don't... It definitely wasn't yeah, plan A. Yeah, this was when like plan C, probably. When you look at, at everything at, at that's best. transpired, yeah. But, yeah. It, but I don't think that, uh, again, kind of to echo what Arthur said last week when we had him on about, mm-hmm. about everything about 
the trade for Nick Letty. You're right. It definitely, this wasn't plan A. Right. Um, but they had several plans in place, I would imagine, and this was this was one of them. This was one of the outcomes they knew could happen mm-hmm. considering the offseason and how things were shaking out because you don't trade a guy like Nick Letty and clear the cap space if you don't think you can get someone else back to fill that role in a way that will make your team better going forward or, or keep your team at the level right. it was already. And even though I am sp- expressing some concern here, it, I still think they could have done worse. I don't think it's a, a necessarily a bad move. I'm not so much giving the Islander the Islanders, you know, hell for for not making a better move. I think they could have. It would have been nice if they did, but I but still at this think, point, what move was being made? Well, that's we we don't know. We don't know who Lou was talking to. We don't know who he was who he was trying to acquire. We can only assume that there was a plan A or B before this, right. at least, right? So maybe he gets to circle back later on and do something. And I still think this team, as constructed can and will be successful, but maybe you just would rather have somebody else there. And again, maybe that happens later or maybe they pleasantly surprise us. I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think there's, unless some sort of crazy deal comes out of left field, I don't think there's anything changing too much after this point up until the deadline think, or, nothing, or yeah, nothing or immediate. down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. This is what they're going to go to battle with. We'll see how well they do. And I guess that's going to be a big topic of discussion you know, for the fan base and for this team going forward because this is probably what we're looking at. There's really not going to be too many surprises in training camp. No. There's really no. not. We kind of know who's going to be there. There's no real battle for any big spots. Maybe, maybe there will be a surprise, but I don't think so. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. I'm Christian Arnold. With me, as always, is Sean Cuthbert. And it's that time of the show that everyone loves. It's On The Line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And on the line with us is one of the greats from those early 2000s New York Islanders club. He spent five years with the New York Islanders, now the author of a tremendous new book that Sean and I both got a chance to read. It's called The Comeback, My Life Through Heaven and Hell, and My Journey Through Heaven and Hell, I should say. That's Dave Scatcherd, Islanders alumni. Dave, how are you? And thank you so much for joining us this evening. I feel like I miss my old Islander stomping grounds and uh, <laughs> all the Islander fans, and it's fun for me to get to connect this way. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. We could not be happier to have yes. you back on, and, and I know we've gotten so much so much um, feedback from just the announcement of you coming on this, this week because you played on an Islanders team that I think has such an affinity, especially now for the younger generation of Islander fans who grew up watching you and Kenny Johnson and, and – um, Brad Isbister, those guys who were on some rough teams and gave it their all every night. Um, and, and obviously you touch on that in the book. You touch on so much in the book. But I, I want to start with, A, congratulating on being an Amazon number one bestseller right now. Uh, and, and ask you, what after all this time, what made you kind of put your story uh, to pen and paper and put it out there? Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, first, uh, I've been wanting to write this story for a decade and then about five years ago i started to try to really write it uh and man i just would start and stop and i'd chicken out and then i'd try (laughs) again and then i'd get confused on the order and the sequencing on how to fit everything together and and finally i just uh made a commitment i said i'm gonna get this thing done and um you know it's i'm really proud of it and um you know, I've, I've lived a pretty crazy life and gone through a lot of wild experiences. And I didn't really think that it was just meant for me. And, um, now I run a life and business coach, uh, life and business coaching business. And, um, 
you know, uh, I'm constantly using these experiences that I had or I went through to help my um, clients. So I thought, well, if it's helping all of them, um, why don't I just write a book about it and then help as many people as possible? So, yeah, man, I'm just grateful uh, for everyone buying it. It's, it became an Amazon bestseller uh, day one, and then it, it's been there for a week. And I see somebody else is cruising up the ranks, so I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta promote it a little bit more, and uh, you know, get get back, uh, you know, all the top spots. I, I think I had like the Kindle and the softcover version, uh, number one and two. So that was really exciting, and. Uh, now I'm getting some competition, so I gotta like put the hammer down and make sure it <laughs> make sure it stays there. I I love the competitive edge, Dave and Sean here. A <laughs> uh, big part of your story was obviously your concussion history, and you had a lot of struggles there. And obviously, with the the fifth one being the worst, and I guess maybe just for the audience, just describe to us what it's like being a professional athlete and and having those sorts of setbacks, especially when you talk about something that's still kind of unknown in the sports world as far as concussion goes, right? They're still trying to figure that whole thing out and, and, and its long-term effects on players and everything like that. Maybe you can just talk about, you know, your your issues and your struggles with the concussions, how you were able to bounce back and, and turn that into a positive experience for yourself. Yeah, it's really wild. And, like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really necessarily consider myself a concussion expert, but the fact that I spent so many um, days, especially after my fifth concussion, I was at the Mayo Clinic three days a week for three years. So I really got to kind of learn on things about the brain and how the brain works. And, you know, there's this really weird theory that they, they kind of uh, have proven is that if you've had one concussion, you're twice as likely to get two. And if you've had two, you're four times as likely to get three. And if you've had wow. three, you're 16 times as likely to get four. And then if you've had four, it's like 164 Jeez. times. Wow. So whatever, like, however it compounds like that, it, it, after five, it just doesn't seem, uh, smart to go <laughs> and play. And, and the fact that like somehow my I was literally on Alzheimer's medicine. I was slurring my speech. I, I couldn't even run or exercise. I was dragging my leg when I walked. I was like really, really, really messed up. And um, this didn't go away. And the doctors at the Mayo Clinic had told me, he said, sorry, Dave, but you know, you're going to have permanent disabilities with the rest of your life. And, you know, I could have accepted that diagnosis and gone home and felt sorry for myself. And, I remember just like sitting in my car and I was crying outside. I wrote a little bit about this in the book and I'm crying in my car and I'm just like, man, like I'm a young guy. I got three babies at home. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to live another 60 years in this condition? And it got really scary and really dark for me. I got, I was embarrassed about what happened to me. I kind of went into hiding for a couple of years. Nobody really knew what happened to me. Like some of my best friends didn't know how scary it was getting for me and the crazy thoughts that were going through my head. And, and that just came from the never ending headaches that were just pounding my temples, never ending all day. And then not having a memory. Like it was like I was had dementia or something. And wow. um, for a young guy, uh, when I couldn't work and I couldn't exercise and I couldn't take care of my kids and I, I was just getting fat and like just miserable with, the pain that my head was in, I couldn't concentrate. I could, I could barely read. And it was weird. I, I had a photographic memory when I was a child. I skipped a couple of grades, like school is easy for me. Wow. I, I, I went from that to like 
not being able to process like anything and it was devastating and scary plus there's a whole thing about losing my identity now so like now i'm not a hockey player like who am i and then what am i why am i back here like i chose to come back from in heaven and that's a little twist in the book that people may, they know now uh spoiler alert but, <laughs> but but i'm like i came back i came i chose to come back here to this world and i left like this per- perfection and um and then i was just like stuck and i was broken and i'm like did i just make the biggest mistake of my life like what did i i screwed up i messed up and i'd like blame myself and it was so weird it was like a vicious cycle but I ultimately ended up understanding through my process and, and this message came to me was that God had put me in that dark hole and that pit for so long, for three years, so that I would understand that intimately and deeply and, and, and have these other new um, understandings of compassion and of fear and anxiety and depression and all these crazy things that I never had before. I never had any of those ever in my career. I was very lucky. I was super positive and mostly healthy. And like, so then for me to go into this dark hole, uh, it was kind of explained to me that that needed to happen for the people that I was about to help with in, in life. And that was kind of the day that I knew I was going to start to life coach and help people and, started chasing Tony Robbins around the world for a couple of years. And Tony's Tony just said, I have no choice. I have to do this. And, uh, it's not about me anymore. So for the last, uh, gosh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I've been, I've been helping a lot of people. And then last year we started doing a couple of free online challenges during the year. And we, we helped over 17,000 people in those challenges. So, wow. 